anyways, let's pray. Father, we, we do come to you, Lord, and we, we, we've already expressed we do thank you uh, for the really the unbelievable blessing that we could be here in this country. And I believe you put us here for such a time as this. May we be found faithful. And Father, we ask for, we don't just want to sing the song. We, we say, would you revive us, Lord? And would you pour your spirit out upon us? We need a fresh Pentecost right now. That's what we need. More than anything else. That you might do a work um, in this country like you did in the Great Awakenings and Revivals. We need it now. It's not just a good idea, God. It's, we need it now. And so we, we lay our hearts before you um, uh, in faith, believing. Um, now, God, just help us to hear your word and, and hear the challenge that's already been mentioned. Let us hear the challenge that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? So, um, Jude starts his letter off, right, that last little letter right before Revelation. He says, I wanted to, I'll paraphrase it, says, I had hoped to write about the common faith that we share and all that stuff, but I had to talk about this issue going on in the church. And, um, and, I, and so I feel that way today. Um, this is not going to be a typical um, message. Um, but in light of our nation's birthday, and like last Sunday, I spoke about what I call our, how we're the stewards of a priceless gift, which is our, our, the gift of, of our American citizenship and the kind of representative republic, republic government that we have. That no, we are the envy of most of the world. But we haven't just been given it so we can just have a fun time. We've been given it because now we're the stewards of something that um, is bigger than us. And so um, in, we are stewards of, of a nation, of, of really a re- representative republic. Never, this is never a democracy. It never has been. Our founders never wanted it to be. And uh, so don't ever allow people to tell you we live in a democracy. We do not. They, they implode on, each, on itself. We are in a representative republic where the people are the sovereign of the nation. Like we talked last week. I'm not going to redo my message from last week. And everybody said? Okay, all right. All right. right. But the point is, our unique form of government puts you in charge. You are actually the final authority. The political power rests in the people, not in the government. That's in our founding documents. That's in, as I said, the Washington State um, even the Washington State Constitution, Article 1, first paragraph says, the political power rests in the people. And so this is something that's unique. We are the ones uh, who uh, get to choose our leaders. And that, that, is, that is even a revolutionary idea in the 1700s uh, in human history. What, the people? No. Kings, emperors, and they, you know, the conqueror, now I'm your ruler. But the people actually get to do so. And um, so that then we then rep- elect representatives who have our same values. And then we give them places of, of authority uh, by our consent. That they might then establish laws to protect our God-given rights. Um, uh, that only come from God to the people. Uh, and then uh, and so forth. Um, and that when, when our electeds fail to uh, 
reflect the values we want them to, then, then we have the right and even the obligation to remove them and put people in office that we want. This is very, very unique. And so I addressed that. Um, I also talked about how uh, really, um, and I've shared this at other times, but in especially the first 150 years before, right before we became a nation, and then for, for generations uh, afterwards up until about the mid-1900s, uh, 1900s, um, pulpits always address the cultural issues of the day, the, the civil, the, the civic issues, the, 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 whatever the hot topics were, the candidates, the, the elections. They even would uh, address the behavior of the King of England and the, and the British military. They weren't, weren't afraid to, to, uh, to do that. That's why the King of England, I told you this before, but if you weren't here, uh, bears repeating that Many times they would instruct their military generals that go into a new area in the colonies, find the pastor. They weren't worried about a militia. Go find the pastor first because the pulpits thundered across these colonies and shaped the nation that would be born July 4th, uh, 1776 and the resulting constitution about 11 years later. Um, and so... Really, what I want to talk to today about, um, like I said, this is a little unusual from what a typical message, but really about the, our, the American Christian's duty. What's our duty as American Christians? And I mean specifically, we're Christians in America, and because we're in America as Christians, we have a duty. What is that? You want to know that? Thanks for asking. And this, uh, Romans 13, this whole idea of, of submission, uh, uh, how many have heard that? We need to submit, 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 submit. Um, just think about COVID. COVID was a, a dividing time in this nation, dividing families, churches, relationships, communities, um, as our government did the lockdowns and all these mass shots and all those things. The point is that many have said, there were people at that time that says, you're a Christian, and it's your duty under God to submit to government no matter what, and you are sinning if you don't. Obviously, don't fully believe, uh, agree with that. A well-known pastor um, um, well, and others just said our founders, um, let me just move, move past this. Um, there's a well-known pastor there. Some years ago, he said this. To some people, evangelical Christianity was a proper justification for the American Revolution. They believe we had every right to load up our guns and kill Englishmen for the sake of our religious freedom. So the United States was actually born out of the violation of New Testament principles and any blessings that God has bestowed on America have come in spite of that disobedience by our founding fathers. The interesting thing about it is this same pastor defied Governor Newsom in California uh, and said, no, the church is essential. No, you cannot do this. And he won in the Supreme Court and either the state or federal level. But anyways, and Governor Newsom and his government, they had to pay uh, this pastor's church's uh, legal fees. So I wonder if he has maybe a little different view on on um, this whole idea of submission. And Romans 13 was is kind of the main thing to, to address. Um, 
So, but I mean, what does the Bible say? What, how are Christians to, are to conduct ourselves in society, society? I mean, what, what's our duty, as I said, as Christians in America? Glad you asked. Um, let's look at some scriptures uh, that tell us about that. Titus 3, 1 and 2. Um, Paul writing to Titus, this is one of the pastoral epistles. He says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. This is what believers, this is how we should be known in our, in, in, where we live, right? We, um, uh, this humility, this peaceableness, that we, we're ready for every good work. We're not just sitting on the side, work, side uh, lines, but able to be involved in, in good work in our, in our community, uh, culture, and society we're in. Uh, past, uh, Paul wrote to, to, first Timothy, in, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. He says, Therefore I exhort all, first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Just a side note before I forget, a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing with you, I'm kinda, I've done a major modification and, and shortening of a, a much longer message that I uh, was prepared by Dan Fisher. He's part of the Liberty Pastors, uh, if you're familiar with them, and, and um, Paul Blair. I'll glean a lot of this, but they said, use it. Use this stuff all you want, but I don't mind giving them credit. Um, uh, but I've made it my own. But So here, here you go, that, that we, would be, we would be those who are actually not just trying to be, be good and obey, but we're praying for our leaders, right? We should, this, these are the kind of things that should characterize uh, the church. Um, and um, that, that we aren't out there causing trouble, that, that our life, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence and that. Now, some people take that phrase, uh, lead a quiet and peaceable life, like just keep your head down. That's not what he's saying. Um, uh, but that, that our lives, we, that we are a blessing to the community that we're in, Right? People around here should be blessed because we're, you know, I, when I first came here uh, just over 22 years ago, there were, there were several bars here. And there are some restaurants that have bars in them here in town. But there were some bars, and in the first, it wasn't because I was here, not at all. But I noticed over the first number of years, that the bar right across the high, the, the, the train tracks there at the main intersection, that shut down, another one shut down here. And I, I just took note, you know, I've, sometimes we've kind of, Joked, Deer Park has more churches per per capita than most. I think there's a, there's including all the independent churches of like twenty four or twenty five churches identified as Deer Park, you know, and they're being all different kind of places. Um, um, and if that's true, that there's about a hundred and seventy five people for each church. I mean, you could we have. You know, we, we're doing good. And so we kind of like, you know, we don't need another church. And I go, I could talk to you about that. The conversation the Baptist pastor and I had with another young guy. God's called me to plant a church in Deer Park. And we said, why? <laughs> Let me tell you that. And he, and he ended up not doing so. And uh, not because we're, 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 we're jealous. Like, wait a minute. We, we keep dividing up the body of Christ. And, and let's have another church. Let's, why don't we... If we got like precious faith, why don't we come together? 
There's always going to be different denominations, always going to be some varieties, and, and that's okay. But I don't think we need 25 in Deer Park. I just don't. I don't think that's necessary. But whatever. Um, um, so, anyways, uh, that was good. I, and I probably lost my train of thought. So let's just move on. We should just be, we should be, people should be really glad that we're here. Oh, well, my point was, I believe, honestly, that there are so many churches in town that the presence of God, and so many people love God, that, that those bars just had to, they, they obviously ran out of business. And that's a good thing. Not, not that it's not, we don't need to revive an awakening in this area, but that was just a positive thing. Anyway, I better move along quick here. Uh, and also, as we start in Romans 13, it talks about how our, what our conduct should be. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against the God, what God has instituted, and those who do so will be, bring judgment on themselves. That's pretty serious. So there's, really, there's no question that we should be the best law-abiding citizens in the area, right? Um, and that not more than that. But we actually care about our leaders, and we're praying for them. And if there's ways we can support them and support our community, we, we should be, be part of that. And that's even in, in one way, that's why we just want to sit at that roundabout and help shut down traffic for the parade. We've offered ourselves in other ways. How can we just help? Instead of just trying to find a way to kind of coax people into our building, how about if we find out how we can serve the people around here? And I've said many times, if the only time people see us is when we're either in their building or trying to get people in, we're not doing the work Jesus called us to do. Right? Amen? Enough of that. So, so anyways, uh, to state the obvious, that, that submission to authority is, is, a, is a, really a central tenet of Christianity. Right? Clearly taught uh, in Scripture, and um, that all authority uh, really uh, ultimately finds its its source uh, in God, and we should submit for the Lord's sake, right? So that initial uh, charge that I shared that people you should submit for this th- that had truth to it, but but must Christians submit to every dictate of our state or? or federal government, um, this unlimited submission. Believers have not always believed in unlimited submission. How many know what that picture's from? You remember that? I mean, that actual, that's on, on an item, that picture. Show your, your, your date. Keith Green? No Compromise? That's the cover from his album. I have it, so, yeah. I love Keith Green. And that's, of course, this one, but we're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I mean, the Bible actually has some great examples. You've got all these teachings about submission to authority, and yet we have these examples of believers not only just defying government authority, but being uh, uh, receiving approval from God in the process. Let's look at some examples. How about the Hebrew midwives? Pharaoh told them, Kill those little those Hebrew boys when they come out, and and they didn't, of course, because they feared God. And then Pharaoh called them in. Hey, what's up with this? I told you. And then what they do? They apologize. 
They lied to him. What? We don't lie in church. They lied to Pharaoh. Oh, these, those Hebrew boys, they're just so robust. And then the women, they're so, they just give birth. I mean, we don't even get there in time. That wasn't true. And God honored them and gave these midwives many children. It, I mean, talk about a different, how about Moses refusing to, uh, Pharaoh, uh, where he, um, uh, um, sided with the Jews, as in 11, uh, Hebrews 11, uh, 27. Queen Esther uh, went in to, to see the king. It was against the law for her to go in uninvited, and she went in at risk of her own life, and she went anyways to save her, her, her people, the Jews, from annihilation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some have called it Meshach, Yershach, and a bungalow. Um, um, but they refused to bow down, bow down to the golden image. And they said, if, even if our God doesn't deliver us, just know one thing. We're not going to serve your God. Even, even when, when Nebuchadnezzar said, well, listen, I'll get, let's talk about this one more time. They said, we don't need to talk about this. We're not going to do it. And, see, and this is what needs to happen, especially our young people, all of us. Someday out in the future when a crisis is, that's not the time to decide who you're going to serve. Now is the time. See, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, they understood. They had already made up their mind. And it was, there was no question. They didn't have to stop and think about it in a, con- a conference together. Also, and then, of course, there's Daniel. Uh, when he refused um, to stop praying to the king. Um, uh, this is classic what's happening here in our, our nation where we are making law, they are making laws that make part of your faith illegal. Right? They made praying to anybody but the king in Daniel's day for like 90 days was illegal. Well, so I'm going to keep praying. And not only did he didn't just keep praying, he kept opening the windows three times a day. He didn't change. We need that kind of tenacity in the body of Christ today. Amen? And then, um, of course, Jesus refusing to abide by the Jewish Sabbath laws. Do you understand that the Sabbath laws were... um, were um, Jesus obviously exposed the hypocrisy of, of them. They were ma- made by, by man uh, from the Pharisees, the, the, the teachers of the law. But that group, that the ruling body of the, Jewish, uh, of, of the Jews that, that Jesus was brought before in, in trial, and so was Stephen, uh, and these, they were like, they were the ruling body. They, they were not just the religious leaders. They were, they were like the House and the Senate, and some would even say the Supreme Court. Where, where Pilate and Herod would be like the president and vice president, if you wanted something of that nature. So they had political power, but Jesus said, no, not doing it. The apostles and the early Christians, just think about all the times they refused in, in Acts chapter uh, 5 and 12 and so forth. It says, stop preaching this name. And what they do, the next thing they did was go out and preach in the name of Jesus. And then this believers throughout ages define these ungodly authorities as referred to in Hebrews 11. Um, so... Were these people disobeying God and rebelling against God? They weren't. In fact, their defiance was obedience to God. And so it's a confusing message, message that you hear from some, uh, the same preachers that, that might look at these, and, and these are the heroes, and yet at the same time that they will look at, at, at their American congregation and says, you need to submit, and just we need to do what they, whatever they, whatever they say. Just think of some examples uh, just for our nation of, of how the, we uh, 
defied uh, a, a tyrannical king, in this case, an oppressive king with our, our revolution um, and, and the British army. We think about um, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, um, 56 men. Uh, I, I forget which one was the one who, who recorded this, but he talked about as each one came forward to put their name on that document, there was quiet in that room. It wasn't like party time. It was like there was a solemnity that just took over the room because they knew once they put their name down there, it was not like signing re- Referendum 101. It was signing their death sentence. If they were caught by the British, they would definitely be uh, in prison. They could be tortured and very likely killed for treason. They were committing treason. The America was, was birthed by a treasonous act. And yet, it really wasn't treason. We'll talk later. But think about people like, like Corey Ten Boom. And then uh, Oscar Schindler and, and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I said that backwards, uh, obviously. But those who they defied the, the Nazis to save the Jews. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, defied the, the, the uh, Jim Crow laws that the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, had said were constitutional. So just because the Supreme Court says doesn't mean it's right. But he stood up. Aren't you glad they did? He would be appalled at, at the so-called black civil rights leaders of the day uh, as they uh, are promoting such racism where he said, let's look beyond the skin. Let's look, look at character. Look at the heart. And we agree with that. Amen? Amen? I totally agree with that. So preachers many times have, have told um, People that Romans 13 teaches that believers must submit to all government authority, even to tyrants. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Believers must offer unlimited submission to all government authority. That believers are sinning if they resist governmental authority. And they will hurt their Christian witness if they resist uh, that. Um, It sounds interesting. Um, But what did Paul actually say? Thanks for asking. Um, does Romans 13 teach that believers must submit uh, to government authority, even to tyrants? Now, let me, let's look at this. Um, some people have said, said this, that Paul, that Paul had written uh, this during the reign of Nero. Nero, Nero was one of the most tyr- tyrannical, Caesar's murderous, he was the one they believe was fiddling, playing his violent fiddle while Rome burned and then blamed the Christians or the Jews for that. Um, the, the reality is, um, <clears throat> there's a whole, whole lot more to that story, that Romans was written in about 56 or 57 A.D., now, Nero was already what was, was the emperor. Um, his, I don't know if it was his father, Claudius. Uh, I think his mother was responsible for the prior um, emperor, Claudius, of uh, eating some poisonous mushrooms and died. And anyways, I forget her name was Athenia or something like that. Anyways, uh, she wanted to be emperor, but she was a woman, so she couldn't. So, But she took her son along and knew that he needed help, um, and so that she hired Seneca to be his advisor. So Seneca was the advisor 
for Nero that kind of kept him at bay during this period of time. It wasn't until 64 AD that Seneca retired, and that's when when Nero, like like the, the reins were taken off in Nero, and that's when things happened. So so Paul was not writing under the oppressive uh, rule that would that would come later on uh, from Nero. Uh, so so as far as that goes. Um, also, we know that Paul wrote uh, wrote to Corinth on a third missionary journey. Um, that he probably wrote just kind of a background. He wrote Romans because Claudius. Um, in some years earlier, you see he had uh, commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So what, what would that do to the to new churches in, in, in Rome and Italy, right? The Jews who would likely have more familiarity with the Jewish scriptures would be gone. And these Gentiles wouldn't necessarily have that. So Paul here is no doubt writing um, to, to help instruct them and, uh, on things and, and to encourage them uh, in, these, in this new church. So, but let's ask this question. Does Paul differentiate between tyranny and proper government? Um, another good question. Thank you for asking. Um, let's look at the very next two verses in Romans 13 that we already started looking at. It says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do we see a difference there? Right? Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is whose servant? God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on who? The wrongdoer or evil, the one who practices evil. I'm sorry, I have a different translation here. So... um, what Romans 13 teaches us, just in these scriptures, that, that one uh, is uh, that the proper government, one that's worthy of Christian submission, acts as God's minister for good, right? We saw that. Avenges evil by executing wrath on evildoers and awards and protects those who do good. That's the proper government. That's what he's talking about. And so, is it possible that, that, that we could say he's also saying that when the government becomes evil and tyrannical, that they no longer are worthy of our submission? Have they possibly usurped the authority God gave to them and have used it for wrong purposes? I, I, I think maybe yes. But look, Peter says the same thing. First uh, Peter, um, <clears throat> that's an actual picture of Peter, by the way, um, <clears throat> and um, uncovered, I'm sure, somewhere. Um, but Peter writes, it says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of, of man for the Lord's sake. Now, stop right there. This, remember, what's our ultimate destiny, destiny that I, I, I share a lot here? I believe your, your destiny, we want to talk about those words, is that God gets glory out of your life. Whatever, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. But whatever, God will get glory out of your life. And so for the Lord's sake... Uh, how we conduct ourselves matters here, right? Even the way in which we would oppose uh, what we think are unrighteous laws and these kind of things, the way in which we conduct ourselves matters because it's for the Lord's sake. This is not about us. It's not about Trite County Christian Center or, or whatever group you're with. This is about the Lord. People look at us. You're a Christian. They see you represent Jesus to me. Do I like how you're behaving or not? And that really matters, right? 
He said, so for the Lord's sake, whether, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as those who are sent by him, God, for the, purpose, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. But the point is that the government is to punish evildoers and praise those who do good. I think there's a, a misconnect here, especially in our day. Amen? Somebody uh, working at one place took video of a guy who came in, was clearing the shelves and stealing from, from it. He shared the video with his employer and he got fired. There's countless stories like that. We are in a mixed up time, aren't we? So must a believer then offer this uh, unlimited submission to those in authority? Uh, look at Romans 12. It says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. See, Paul's recognizing in a personal relationships, within families, within communities and, and within nations uh, and even in our relationship with, with our leaders, it may not always be possible to, be, to live peaceably with all men because of the hardness. It's really because of the hardness of heart. And so we recognize that it won't always be possible. I want to look at a few other scriptures about, about submission. Think about this. Um, here in Ephesians 5, verse 22, Paul teaches that well, wives should submit to the authority of their husbands. Now, I will say that is in the context of a husband who is loving her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So um, we talk way too much about wives better submit to your, hus- to your husband than, and don't give nearly as much attention to that, the role of the husbands to, to give their lives for their wives. And their, amen? All the women said? Okay, anyway, so. Ah, a woman. Okay, so. um, Ephesians, uh, so my point, the point here is that, all right, so, but what if the husband wants you to do some some indecent and immoral thing or some illegal or engage in illegality of one kind or other? No, no, your submission ends right there. Or if he wants to keep beating you, yeah, your submission ends right there. Okay? I remember when I was a young Christian, that was, there was this thing going on. If, if a woman was in an abusive relationship with her husband, oh, there would be a woman who would give a testimony how she endured his beating for years and finally came to Christ. And that kind of became the model. Stay there. No, you are worth far more. Uh, you are much more valuable as, as a woman, as a wife, than to endure that kind of beating. He des- you deserve to be treated like the queen of that household, not like the punching bag. And by staying there, uh, you don't do yourself or himself any favors. And so, um, um, anyways, that's so. So, enough said. Uh, Ephesians six one. Likewise, uh, the children should submit, obey their parents. Well, what if their parents start wanting to get the kids into things that they shouldn't be in? Right. Well, no, no. So, and the same thing in. in First Timothy five seventeen, also in uh, Hebrews uh, thirteen seventeen, similar about um, the congregation should give double honor to those who preach and teach God's word, and 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 this idea of submitting and those kind of things, but that doesn't happen much. Um, <laughs> but where if you have that slavish fear, that that's what creates cults, right? Um, I'm as accountable to the word of God as anybody in this place, and so. Uh, um, and uh, so anybody who thinks that, that somehow we should just 
follow these, as some people do, follow these teachers who proclaim themselves to be, you know, the greatest gift to mankind, um, <clears throat> have always uh, led to trouble. And so the point is that, that there is so, such a, uh, a precedent that, that there is no such thing as unlimited submission uh, in these different relationships, except in one. What would that be? Yeah, unlimited to him. Because he loves us. He is a good, good father. Amen? <clears throat> Thomas Jefferson wrote this in the Declaration of Independence. How many, have, how many have read the Declaration of Independence? Okay. If you haven't read it, you, I encourage you to find it. You can get it PDF form. Read it. It's, uh, it, it's, it just blew me away. I just The integrity in which they wrote it and, and, and all these things. But Thomas Jefferson was the one who actually wrote it. And he says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right and duty of the people to alter or to abolish it or throw it off and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. He's establishing the reason for their, the, the colonies separating from and becoming independent of the crown. And um, uh, this whole, we need to demand a proper government and reject the tyranny. Alice Baldwin, um, she was a Ph.D. historian, Duke University, in the early 1900s. She wrote a book called the, uh, all about the New England clergy and the American Revolution, connecting how the, how, how the, the pastors and the pulpits were, were central to the revolution. There was no separation. You couldn't get the two apart. But she wrote this in her book. Excuse me. She said, Probably the most fundamental principle of the American constitutional system is the principle that no one is bound to obey an unconstitutional act. Stop right there. You are not bound to obey an unconstitutional act. And I would tell you the problem is many of us don't understand what acts are unconstitutional? Our governor had no constitutional right to shut down people's businesses just because he determined they were not essential. He had no, he had no right. Now, he, there was a, an RCW, an emergency order, but, he, but all of that. And uh, when you understand how, how politics works and, and, and we are governed by a one-party system, really, in this, that, 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 that believe in big government and, and really would like a socialistic government, uh, big government, small, small people, um, so they didn't stand up. But we cannot just bow as these things begin to happen demanding you to obey telling you that that if you want to go out in public you have to get this experimental shot and uh, we had a we had a a a guest at our men's breakfast yesterday they we we do this harvest host thing people have been vetted by this christian group and they travel around in their rvs and they just need a parking lot for one night and so we get a little notice hey somebody'd like to be in your parking lot says okay so the guy they're from canada Talked about how they shut everything down. They even had checkpoints. You, you, you go out of town and there'd be cops cutting you, shutting you off on the road. Uh, is, is this essential travel? I mean, we thought we had to be bad here. I mean, it was, it was uh, tyranny up, up in Canada. Maybe you've heard some of the things. But those are unconstitutional. And this is a day where, where we need to understand what is and what is not constitutional. 
right? No single idea was more fully stressed, no principle more often repeated through the first 60 years of the 18th century than that governments must obey law. Who must obey law? Governments must obey law and that he who resisted one in authority who was violating that law was not himself a rebel but a protector of law. Pastor of the Congregational Church in Durham, Connecticut in 1787, he wrote, he preached this. This is a sermon. When a constitutional government is converted into tyranny, remember this is a sermon on Sunday morning, right? When a constitutional government is converted into tyranny and the laws, rights, and properties of a free people are openly invaded, there ought not to be the least doubt but that a remedy is provided in the laws of God and reason for their preservation, nor ought resistance to such case uh, to be called rebellion. Jonathan Mayhew, I'll just wrap this up here. Jonathan Mayhew, uh, young man, he was only 46 years old when he died. Um, died in 1766, so he never saw the De- De- Declaration of Independence, but his sermons were one of, and a bunch of pastors that all, I mean, every principle in the, New, in the Declaration of Independence, a lot of you know this, but if you don't, every principle found in the Declaration of Independence was preached in sermons. All came out of sermons leading up to 1763. And Jonathan Mayhew's was uh, certainly one of those. These are only three slides here of what he says. It says, no government, he's speaking about Romans 13. This is his, the topic, the text for his message. And I have the whole thing. He said, no government is to be submitted to at the expense of that which is the sole end of all government. The common good and safety of society. That's the purpose of government. Right? The only reason for the institution of civil government and the only rational ground of submission to it is the common safety and utility, or or utility meaning the effectiveness and beneficial qualities of a government. He went on to say, If therefore in any case the common safety and utility would not be promoted by submission to government, but the contrary, in other words, the hurt, the harm of society, there is no ground or motive for obedience and submission but for the contrary, to oppose it. And then finally, he said, when once magistrates act contrary to their office and the end purpose of their institution, when they rob and ruin the public instead of being guardians of its peace and welfare, they immediately cease to be the ordinance and ministers of God and no more deserve that glorious character than common pirates and highwaymen. Well said. The, um, after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, we needed a, a national, which actually was signed on August 2nd. It was ratified on, on July 4th, and a few people signed it, but uh, really it was signed on, on August uh, 2nd. They needed a national uh, seal. I, I referenced this last week. But Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams proposed this one. And uh, you can't really see it that well, but this is Moses right here. All right? This is the people of Israel. This is the cloud, of, the cloud with the fire, you know, that the, 
And this, this is the Red Sea, and this is Pharaoh's army perishing in the Red Sea. And this says, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. That's our founding. I'm kind of, I, I don't know if I can say proud. In, I, I mean, in the right sense, I'm, I'm thankful that that's my heritage. Right? The reality here that, that our government is, is so different from the one that Paul, the early church knew. In fact, most of humanity since has not known the kind of government that you and I get to be part of. And, and I went at length about it last Sunday. I won't do it again today. But that our form of government is based on a very specific and unique representative principles generally known, at, known as federalism. And so federalism, in essence, is this, that our rights come from God to the people, right? That was a revolutionary thought that, that our founding fathers, godly men, uh, had. The people choose their governing authorities. As I've mentioned, they govern at the consent of the governed. The government's job is to protect the rights that God has given to the citizens, period, right? And that the sovereign political power are in the people, that the federal government is limited, and they, they must obey the law. Remember, our Constitution puts restrictions on the government, not the people. Don't forget that. They work for us. We don't work for them. They've forgotten that. And also, in the way that they, they formed it, the federal government was, was, had, had enumer, uh, the enumerated powers, which were few, in about five different areas. That's all. And we have abandoned that and over the um, but the federal government was just like a necessary evil and but the the government that would have the most authority had to be the one closest to the people, and that would be the states and so we have i think the tenth amendment is about states' rights um, and um and so like in the overturning thank God of Roe v Wade. The Supreme Court justices, a couple of things. Number one said that was the worst decided decision ever in the history of the Supreme Court. And, and constitutional scholars and lawyers would, 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 would say that that's right. But he said there is no right in the U.S. Constitution to kill the life, kill the baby in a woman's womb. And that this is not a court issue. This is a state's issue. And they returned it to the states really where it belongs. It should be a legislative issue, not a court, but um, anyways. So, and that also the people have the right and the duty to remove tyrannical government. I'm afraid we're getting close to something like that. I'm not calling for rebellion. Of course, then it would be protecting the law and not rebellion, right? So, the point is when the government becomes the, the wrongdoer, now hear this, those in authority are the ones in rebellion to what God has established. When those in authority punish the, those who do good and set free the evildoers, like the see this whole attorney general is doing these things, set, let, letting prisoners out, no bail, 
all this stuff. But then you you turn in somebody who's stealing from a store and you get fired. Or if, if you try to defend your property, like that couple a few years back, as these crowd came and bust through into private community and got on their lawn, were shouting at them, and they just stood on their lawn with their with their two firearms and tell them to get off their property. They were the ones who went. I don't think they did time, but they got went, went to court. These other people set free. You understand? When this begins to happen, that our the only people violating Romans thirteen are the lawmaker are the authorities who support that, and so. Um, so in keeping with our, our form of government, with our, our, our godly heritage, with Scripture, we as Christians can only, not only can we stand against evil, right? Uh, but we are obligated to do so by our faith and by the founding documents that actually give us the authority. Therefore, obedience to them is not a sin, but it's a duty. Disobedience to is not... Um, a sin. It's a, a duty um, when we see these things happening. When we see uh, laws um, taking children away from parents so they could get abortions or, or sex treatments, uh, uh, gender uh, things, or even uh, surgeries. When we see st- uh, um, uh, these gay pride things and for for grade school kids and uh we we need to stand up and say no not not on my watch amen um we just can't we can't just sit around um and just think we just keep our head down if we just just be patient and prayerful and everything's going to work out no it's not evil will not back off on itself no don't ever forget that evil will not back off in fact they keep going it's like it's like like a rabid like a rabid dog is right don't know when to stop Dark does not stop being dark on its own. Light has to come. Amen? And you and I are the light of the world, Jesus said. We are the salt of the earth. We have the message that doesn't, not only opposes that, but sets the people free that are in, de- in deception. Because we're not just out to try and stop wickedness. We want to see them come to Christ. Amen? Actually, I like to see some Saul's turn into Paul's. How about you, right? So some those who were once, once uh, op- oppressing Christianity be the very ones proclaiming it from the mountaintops. What a, what a, glo- what a glorious thing that would be. At the very places where, where like down on, on Indiana, um, there, um, where uh, Planned Parenthood is. There are many who pray that that becomes a place, an adoption center. Right? Amen? Right? So that, that God, God can do this, not just to stop abortions, but, but a couple of things. Minister to those who are, who are the victims of abortion. All right? And if there's women who, who are, you know, uh, single women who are unplanned pregnancy, they, and they need help, they need home, they need, that we need to be, be, be there as well. But anyways, it, we're, to be that hope for them. And this, I shared this last week, but Charles Finney, the, really the leader of the Second Great Awakening in the mid-1800s, he said, the church must, must take right ground in regard to politics. What? The church must take right ground in regard to politics. He says, Polita- politics are a part of a, of a religion in a country as this, as this country. And Christians must do their duty to their country as part of their duty to God. That's not true in every nation because they don't have the, what, what, what we've been given. 
But in, in a country as this, we have, a, we have been given the, the, the political power is in our hands. We are the sovereigns of this nation. So stand up and demand that the government submit to the the sovereignty that God has has blessed you and I with by putting us in a nation that that this government system has been established by God. And let's take our role. Uh, Charles Galloway, a Methodist bishop, he was speaking of the framers um, and our founders uh, in, in, in in 1898, about 120 years after our birth as a nation, speaking to Emory College, he, he's speaking about the framers. He said, mighty men they were of iron nerve and strong hand and unblanched cheek and heart of flame. God needed not reeds shaken by the wind, not men clothed in soft raiment, but heroes of hardy wood and lofty courage to be the voice of a new kingdom crying in this western wilderness. The need in this day is for the same. Amen? Men and women, young and old, we need some iron nerves, some strong hands, hearts of flame, hardy, heroes of hardy wood and lofty courage, no less. Amen? Let me stand. So, this was a scripture I, I used last week. This, in, case, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards to be found trustworthy. We are stewards of something the very few could even imagine, but it is ours. And so really the question would be, what will our children's generation say about how we steward the freedoms that are handed to us and what will God say to us? Um, and, uh, um, and maybe I could say, what is God saying to you now? Um, so like this is not, your, I don't, this is not a typical message um, necessarily, um, but I'd like us to bow our head and just ask, ask yourself that. I'm not trying to ask you to sign up for some political party or campaign or something, but but calling us forward, like we sang, God, I'll make room, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. So just with your heads bowed, just for a moment, and then I'm going to ask you to respond and we'll pray. He's saying, I'm hurting broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of sin. I'm not, I'm not here to try to sign up people for anything in particular. I'm just asking if, if the Lord is, is showing you, convicting you of. of of uh, your role, of your call, your... your place in this, in this day, that you just simply, you're saying, God, do what you want in me, that I want to be your light and your salt in this day. And I'm asking you to show me what that looks like. And if that's your desire... I just invite you to come and join me up front here, and then we'll close in prayer together. Say, Jesus, whatever that looks like, I recognize the heritage that I have inherited from the founders of this nation. 
I recognize it's my turn as your child to do my duty to you and to my country, whatever that looks like, and I offer myself to you. Would you come and join me up here? And I want us to pray for our nation. You can keep coming. I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, we just lift your hands if you'd like. Because Lord, we're we lift our hands to you, a sign of surrender. That number one, that this is not about us; it's about you. Number one, and about the children and grandchildren that you have given to us, their generation, and for this nation. And so, Father, we say, do what you want to. Show us whatever that looks like. But, God, we refuse to sit on the sidelines. We refuse to keep our head down. And we refuse to be intimidated by wickedness and evil that has already been been triumphed and, and conquered through Christ. God, you might put iron in our in our spines. And the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And the truth of your word, God. And that you would use us and power us, Lord, for your purposes, Lord Jesus. That we might be the best citizens this nation has ever seen. As we stand up for what is true and right for the sake of of those who cannot stand up for themselves. We pray, God, for that revival that we need in your church. We pray for an awakening of the lost across this nation. We pray that your, your hand would be heavy upon our governor, upon the legislature, upon the, our state Supreme Court. We pray your hand would be heavy upon our, our president uh, and his cabinet. Your, house, your hand will be heavy upon the Congress, Lord God, and the U.S. Supreme Court and other places, Lord. We're asking you, God, to move with power, but we're also not just going to sit here and ask you to do something. We're asking you, God, to use us in whatever way it, it, it looks like. Whatever it is, whatever, just, we're telling just whatever, whatever. I, I make room for you. Do whatever you want to. But do something for your glory through me. Use me. And I give myself to you. We worship you and we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 John, I believe that, that we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. We know we have asked according to his will. So God, we thank you for hearing us. And I pray right now just the blessing of God upon your people in this place, the, uh, the bless and keep that, uh, that uh, um, the, the priestly blessing. I don't remember the whole thing, but the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace as you go out and be the light of this world and the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you all.